This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Hey everybody and welcome to Trashy Divorces, everybody's favorite good podcast about bad relationships. My name is Stacy, And I'm Alicia. Thanks for joining us today for this week's tale of marital misadventure with a done and done crossover twist. Oh, look at that. Our story today could have gone into either one of my podcast loves and I'm not sure if y'all know this, but it's my birthday week. So I figured why not both? A present for my trash pandas and a present for my investigators too. You are really leaning into this August thing. Oh, August slips away like a moment in time. This week, I have the tale of Mona Von Bismarck, the Kentucky Countess. So famous, so fashionable, so trashy. Truman Capote writes about her in Romana Clayform and his scandalous answered prayers in the chapter called Kate McLeod. She's one of his swans, kind of, but Mona was so much more than that. She was married five times, three times a widow, twice divorced, her whole life is pretty incredible. Legendary fashion designer Givenchy wrote about Mona. Her life is worthy of a novel with all things beautiful. Hmm. If you've never heard about Mona von Bismarck, I guarantee you're going to want to. Let's go, 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 and let's investigate. Sounds good. Cats, my two podcast universes have collided. Welcome to the Trashy Divorces Done and Done crossover. Again, tricky because this one really does line up with both universes. However, I love having you, Stacey, here as an audience because I'm ready for your jaw to drop <laughs> a few times in this story. Looking forward to it. It's time for Mona, the Kentucky Countess. What a trashy, high-society, high-fashion whirlwind of a ride this is going to be. Mona, really humble birth on a horse farm in Kentucky. Again, she's going to have five marriages, three times a widow, twice divorced. And Mona is totally the reason for the best-dressed list, essentially. Okay. She's a big deal in fashion. Huge. She's a big deal in high-society. She's a big deal for artists of all kinds. Writers, painters, composers, designers. Mona was a household name in a certain class of people that are not our kind, dear, but are the kind on the high society set. She'll make the papers in those kinds of mentions, as well as the uh, scandal rags, too, a little bit. Mona is definitely the South's most glamorous socialite. Style icon, pretty humble beginnings. She's going to make her mark on the world and look good doing it too. Okay, Mona. Born Ed Mona Travis Strader. She's the daughter of a horse trainer at Church Hill Downs in Kentucky. 
Okay. She's born in Louisville, mm-hmm. February 5th, 1897. She's an Aquarius girl. Mona's going to marry for the first time at the age of 20 or so. First hubby up is Henry Schlesinger, who is almost 40 years old to Mona's 20 years old. Good pairing. Well, Henry is a horse trainer at Fairfield Farm in 1920. Although in just a few years, Fairfield Farm will be renamed Calumet. And that's a whole different Dominic Dunn true crime investigation. Mona, with this marriage from Henry, will have a child. But these lovebirds are done and dusted. Like by 1920, with the son that Mona had in the custody of her husband in exchange for half a million dollars to Mona. Wow. Henry wants the kid, wants to ditch the wife. Mona, I'll keep the boy. Here's half a million. Okay. Not bad, right? Not, not bad in, I mean, adjusted dollars. That's got to be several million, right? Yeah. I mean, not a bad marriage number one, at least I mean, if you're Mona, you're out with a little cash and no uh, kid to look after. Not Not feeling great for the abandoned kid, but okay. I mean, the kid wasn't abandoned. He had his dad. Sure, but... Okay. Okay. Holy cats. Hubby number two. Y'all aren't even ready for the story. It's simply incredible. Hubby number two. 1920, Mona, gonna waste no time at all. She's going to get married again, this time to James Irving Bush. Old James Irving Bush is 14 years older than Mona and is described as the handsomest man in America. Hmm. Good looking. Old James. Even better, James Irving Bush is also an affluent banker and New York stockbroker. These two are only going to last until 1925, and they are divorced in Paris. Wow. But I want to tell you in 1931, when James Irving Bush remarries again, he is the director of Madison Square Garden. Interesting. It's all connected. It's just simply incredible. Huh. Mona von Bismarck is the human spider web. Okay, goodness. And living a very unconventional life in that era. She's divorced twice now, like divorced twice by her mid 20s with some cash. And see, Mona has a best friend too. A girl's got to have friends. Mona's 27 now, twice divorced, and her best friend is Laura Miriam Curtis. Laura is the daughter of Spooky Miriam, the one-time governor of Minnesota. Huh. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, Laura, goodness, Mona's BFF is in love. And that lucky man, his name is Harrison Williams. He is the utilities king of the globe. In 1925, Harrison Williams is the richest man in America. This is so odd. Okay. Isn't this, uh, the story just is zing zing. Just a horse girl moving in these weird circles of wealth. Okay. Okay. But it's her best friend, Laura. She was in love with Harrison Williams. Sure. Utilities king with a fortune of $600 million. Wow. And that's 1925 dollars. In today's monetary conversion, that would be about $10 billion. Dollars. So Harrison and Laura are engaged to be married, and it's so nice. Laura, naturally, is going to go to Paris to shop and buy and be fitted for her 
wedding attire. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be a quick trip. That takes a little bit of time. Sure. But Laura sure doesn't want her fiancé to be lonely. And in this tale as old as time, Laura asks her BFF Mona. Hey, bestie. "Mm Mm-hmm. Would you keep Harrison company? Oh, my God. You know, just look after my fiancé. And we know what happens. This goes badly for Laura. (laughs) Mona does such a terrific job. Such a terrific job. With her assigned task, so terrific. In fact, that... July the 2nd, 1926, Mona will marry for the third time to Harrison Williams. Whoa. 24 years older than Mona and loaded. Loaded. With a capital L. All capital letters. So much money. Their honeymoon takes place on his yacht. This is the most expensive pleasure boat in the world at this time. This yacht is called the Warrior. I love this story. Okay, so you have to shop on your honeymoon, I guess. Mona buys what is the centerpiece sapphire for what is now known as the Bismarck Sapphire Necklace. She acquires this sapphire. Hold on. Oh, goodness. 98.56 carat sapphire. I assume that's a lot of carrots. That's it. (laughs) It's like an orange. It's huge. It's a blue orange. She buys this in 1926 in Sri Lanka on her honeymoon. Cartier in 1935 is going to turn this into a showstopper. There are platinum links connected by round cut brilliant diamonds with the pendant, literally almost 100 carats of a sapphire. There are baguette cut diamonds, naturally, and eight square cut sapphires around the pendant setting. This necklace was donated to the Smithsonian Museum in 1968 by Mona and can now be seen on display at the National Museum of Natural History. Hmm. That whole bit was for my friend John M. Okay. I knew he would like that bit. Okay, so what comes next for the newlyweds? A home in New York City? They set up at 94th Street and 5th Avenue, if that tells you anything. This home was designed by Delano and Aldrich, originally built in 1915 for Willard Strait, and decorated no less by Siri Mom, who marries Somerset Mom in mm. 1917. Okay. My head just spins. Human spiderweb, as you said. Human spiderweb. Mona and Harrison also have an estate in Bayville, Long Island, called Oak Point. Mona and Harrison also love to spend time down in Palm Beach, first staying at La Guerida, the old Rodman Wanamaker place that Joe and Rose Kennedy buy in 1933. Okay. Okay. The Williams do buy a home in Palm Beach on North Ocean Avenue. This home was called Blythe Dunes. We talked a little bit about it within our Palm Beach Chronicle series on Done and Done, But let me just remind everybody about this home. Harrison and Mona live in it for a very long time. It's beautiful. This is the most beautiful home on Palm Beach. And there are a lot of beautiful homes in Palm Beach. Mona and Harrison sell the home to Charles and Jane Reitzman. Jane Reitzman is BFFs with Jackie Kennedy. This home is delightful for the Reitzmans. Jane entertains there for years and years and years until they sell that magnificent home, Blythe Dunes, 
for $10 million to Leslie Wexner. Of? Of best friends with Jeffrey Epstein fame. Les Wexner, the head of Limited. Uh-huh. Victoria's Secret guy. Correct. That's... Yes, Victoria's Secret guy, <clears throat> Les Wexner. $10 million buys the most beautiful home on the island and then promptly bulldozes the thing a few days later after the sale. Just wrecks it. Wrecks the entire home. Wexner does? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Because well, remember, Epstein has moved to Palm Beach at that time. Wexner buys the most amazing home on the island, raises it to the ground, and then builds this utter monstrosity that he manages never to live in, who gets sold to another Palm Beach resident, Donald Trump, who in turn sell that Wexner rebuild, Trump does, sells it to Russian tycoon Dmitry Robolev, who then raises that home and subdivides the land. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Human spiderweb. Okay, but the home that Mona might love the most is Il Fortino. This is in Capri. This home is built on land that belonged to Caesar Augustus and later Tiberius. See our other podcast, <laughs> Trashy Royals, sure. for those stories. Isn't this incredible? Yeah. Okay. This marriage to Harrison Williams lasts just like his money does. Harrison and Mona remained married until his death in 1953. This is one of the widowed times. Okay, so this one is not like a two-year in-and-out thing. No, okay. this one lasts until his death. We're looking at almost 30 years of marriage. Okay. True love match mm -hmm. or true money match here because this 1920s, 1930s time frame, Mona's really coming into her own, right? After two divorces, landing the world's richest man, come on. Let's have some fun. And friends, Mona does. We're going to take a quick break right now. Come back to talk about all the fun Mona has and the rest of her story. All right. We'll see you on the flip. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Hi, this is Rachel Yucatel, and I'm here to invite you to listen to my podcast, Misunderstood with Rachel Yucatel. This podcast delves into the lives of those who have been reduced to a single headline. Each episode will take a closer look at the stories of those who are on a mission to change their narrative. Join me as we uncover the truth behind the misconceptions, shed light on the stories of those who have perhaps been wrongfully portrayed, explore the complexities of the human experience, and celebrate the power of second chances. Who doesn't love a good comeback story? Oh, friends, Mona does have some fun. And well, now money is zero object, not a problem. Sure. So let's begin to talk about Mona's influence because she is literally a household name for decades, mentioned in song, in art, and in fashion. Cecil Beaton photographs her. So does Horse P. Horse, but Cecil Beaton and Mona are really good friends. Cecil Beaton compares Mona to a rock crystal goddess. Mm-hmm. So if Carol Marcus was made of moonbeams, 
Mona is made of quicksilver. Cecil Beaton says about her, her extraordinary cat-like eyes and blue-gray hair are New York phenomena. Hmm. She's very unusual looking. A rock crystal goddess. She's made of silver. God. He Cecil Beaton also describes her as one of the few outstanding beauties of the 30s who represented the epitome of all that taste and luxury can bring to flower. And she is Mona Harrison at this point. She's Mona Williams at this point. She's not a countess yet. Yeah, The well, Von Bismarck hasn't sure, come. Sure, I just assumed she was Otto's granddaughter or something. <laughs> nope. Stay tuned. Stay tuned, stay tuned. She's Mona Williams at this point. Let's talk about some art. Mona has a lot of money, so she's going to buy Goya's. She, I mean, really, her yeah. art collection is pretty impressive. But the one thing that you do if you're a high society lady, you got to get Salvador Dali mm-hmm. to paint you. Remember, he's painted CZ Guest. Mm-hmm. He's painted Ann Woodward, wife of Billy, who won't pay him for that painting. <laughs> Salvador Dali even makes the urn that Rebecca Harkness, last great American dynasty, mm-hmm. is buried in. Interesting. Salvador Dali is going to paint Mona in 1943. This painting is called The Kentucky Countess. So he sees it coming. Oh, yeah. He sees it coming. That 1943 portrait sold in 2013 at Sotheby's for $2.5 million. Not bad. Mona is so fashionable that another friend of hers, Cole Porter, no less, in his 1936 song, Riding High, will write that Mona is the best-dressed woman in town. With future Trashy Divorces profile, Ethel Merman, she's coming up in my loop Hmm. pretty soon, singing, What do I care if Mrs. Harrison Williams is the best-dressed woman in town? It's tricky because the guy has two last names. (laughs) (laughs) Williams is her last name at this point. At this point. And Mona, who loves to be dressed? Fashion is her life. Balenciaga is Mona's very favorite designer. And we've heard from Balenciaga in the past that he loves to dress Gloria Guinness and Slim Keith. They were his favorites to dress, but Mona is one of his muses, or at least a very loyal financial patron to Balenciaga. Balenciaga is her closest ally. He is her main designer for about three decades and does really, really well by Mona. Hmm. Audrey Hepburn once said of Balenciaga, who was also a friend of Audrey's, his are the only clothes in which I am myself. He is far more than a couturier. He is a creator of personality. Hmm. Audrey will continue, Balenciaga once said the secret of elegance is elimination. My story is about far more than Balenciaga, But just another spider web here. It is his work that Diana Vreeland promotes in the world of Balenciaga in 1972 for the Costume Institute of the Metropolitan Museum of Art once Diana Vreeland revives that museum. Okay. That part was in for double E. (laughs) Y'all, this story really does have everything. So continuing on the fashion line here in 1933 Mona was elected 
I guess named probably is better. The first American ever voted as the best dressed woman in the world. Wow. 1933. Fashion is her life. Shattering barriers. Well, the next year, that title went to her friend, Wallace Simpson. Not yet the Duchess of Mm. Windsor. The following year, it went to Elsie DeWolf. Mona is such a big deal in fashion. She will make the best dressed list, which actually becomes a thing after that. You ready? In the following years, 1940, 1941, 1943, 1946, 1947, 1948, 1949, 1956, and in 1957, in which whoever decides these things is like Mona, you have won fashion. In 1958, Mona gets into the International (laughs) Hall of Fame of Best Dressed, which takes you out of the running for winning it every year. Right, right. You've won fashion, Mona. Quit hogging the top of the list there, lady. (laughs) We can't put you on the list anymore. You've won fashion. Mona will launch several trends. What are they? Double-stranded pearls. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Asymmetrical dresses. Halter-cut tops. And nude nail polish. And remember, Mona is Balenciaga's best customer. She's his muse. She'll order 150 pieces in one particular season when her wardrobe was lost on a train accident. (laughs) Her gardening clothes were designed by Balenciaga as well. Wow. What money can't do in fashion. I do want to put this bit in here. Balenciaga is such an enormous influence for Mona that when he retires in 1968, closing his atelier, Mona's distraught. She locks herself away for three days to cry and cry and cry some more. Just grieving the loss of her best fashion ally. Well, Mona is going to shift her fashion needs at this point over to Givenchy and quickly becomes one of his favorite clients. Or at least most profitable. There is one occasion that Givenchy (laughs) reportedly made the following comment about his favorite client, Countess Mona von Bismarck. Remember, this is 68. I jumped ahead in the story just a little bit. Sure. Givenchy says about Mona von Bismarck, she was splendid, as could be seen in the portrait that Dali had painted of her and had seduced five husbands. Mm -hmm. She was mad about pearls and brought them in kilos during cruises in the China Sea and the ports of Japan. She had two lifts of different speeds installed in her apartment in Avenue de New York. This is the one in Paris. The faster one was for the domestics so they could reach the landing before her to open the door. What money can't do. So let's back up the bus, go back to 1953, because Mona's third husband, Harrison Williams, does pass away at Oak Point, that home in Long Island. But Mona's not really going to struggle for cash. She's left about $90 million and some property, too, when her third husband passes away, leaving Mona a widow. And it's kind of a sad time, but Mona's going to console herself by marrying again, so, well, he's got a lot of names, but let's just call him Eddie. Eddie is the grandson of German Chancellor Otto yeah. von Bismarck. There you go. <laughs> All right. 
coming back around. It, it really does, doesn't it? <laughs> this is the marriage that will make Mona a countess. She does this a few times. A few times getting married here. They, Eddie and Mona. <laughs> it's Edvard. Like, sure. he's got about 12 names. Yeah, but as German nobility would, yeah. For our purposes today, Eddie. <laughs> Eddie and Mona get married in a civil ceremony in January 1955 in New Jersey. There is next up a religious ceremony held in Rome in February of 1956. Eddie and Mona fully moved to Europe at this point. And in 1956, they purchase a Hotel Particulier. Sure. I'm sorry, French people. Yep. This is in Paris at 34 Avenue de New York in the 16th arrondissement of Paris. Okay. Now, Eddie. Hmm. Grandson of Otto von Bismarck, but he's also a interior designer. He's been Mona's secretary. Sure, he's aristocratic. He knows everyone. And at their hotel particulier and at that home in Capri, Il Fortino, they host luminaries. They host everyone. The Duke and Duchess of Windsor, Winston Churchill, Aristotle Onassis, Maria Callas, Anybody sailing around in yachts Mm -hmm. just goes and stops at Mona's private island. Why not? Oh, man. (laughs) At this point, Mona's still buying Balenciaga. She'll outdo previous Trashy Divorces alum Barbara Hutton in her collection. Hutton likes Balenciaga as well. Again, 1958, you've won Mm -hmm. International Hall of Fame. Mona swims and reads and does needlework. She writes a book. Mm -hmm. Her cultivation garden thing is her prize tulips. I love it. She keeps dogs. Her favorite dog is Mickey. He's a lap mutt. Okay, so most of Mona's time is spent on that island in Capri, which is kind of a big deal. The seaside villa becomes her primary residence for the second half of her life. She's known to walk about her island Dogs trotting alongside. She'll tend her garden in linen Balenciaga shorts. As you do. In Capri, Mona imports magnolia trees and roses from her home state of Kentucky. Hmm. Now, I'm not sure if you know about maybe the dryness of Capri, but no worries. Mona imports fresh water. She gets it ferried in from the mainland in Italy to ensure that the magnolia trees and roses in her extensive gardens are taken care of. What money can't do. Again, many a famous guest at Il Fortino, including Jacqueline Kennedy, who will write after the visit of her gratitude. This is what Jackie writes. Jacqueline, pardon me, writes, to step into the world of serenity and beauty you have made. And now it is all gone like mist but it affected us all so deeply. Mona and Eddie are happy enough. These two stay together until Eddie's death in 1970. But Eddie had been sick, getting kind of sicker and sicker for a few Mm. years. And Eddie has a doctor who's around a lot. His name is Count Umberto DiMartini. It's not. It is. Okay. Count Umberto DiMartini. Umberto... For now, he's not quite a count yet. Umberto's younger than Mona by a decade and a half. Uh, She's 74 and he is 60. 
when they get married in 1971. This is a terrible idea. A terrible, terrible marriage. Terrible idea to do. Just a humble country doctor? No. Mona is going to buy his count title. Mm. Mona buys it for Umberto Di Martini from Italy's exiled King Umberto II. So that's convenient. Now, Di Martini likes to serve, you know, simple pasta dishes, inexpensive wines. The first thing Umberto, sorry, Count Umberto Di Martini does is dismiss every one of Mona's longtime employees. He's uh, liking to keep her medicated in this decade of the 70s. This seems devious. So he's younger. She's very rich. I mean, he's still an older gentleman, but... You could perhaps say that he's using her for her cash the way maybe she did earlier in her life, but I promise you're not ready for the rest of this story. Again, she's 74 when they marry. He's 60. And Mona, I guess, is happy enough on her private island. But in 1979, Umberto Di Martini, who at that point is 70 years old, decides that racing sports cars is pretty fun. And Umberto Di Martini will die in a sports car accident. <laughs> Seems like a young man's game, yeah. Mona's high society crowd refers to this unfortunate incident as Martini on the Rocks. Oh, my God. Okay, that's brutal. (laughs) Brutal. It is only after Martini on the Rocks' death that Mona finds out that Umberto has, ready for this, trashy, been married the entire time he was married to Mona. Oh, my God. And has a secret family and has been funneling off her fortune for his wife and kids the whole decade they were together. So he had a bigamist marriage to a rich woman so he could support his original family? Correct. Okay. Martini on the rocks. So naturally, you can imagine this takes a toll on Mona. She has already been sort of a recluse, but she will become even more of a recluse now in her final years. Mona's old friend Cecil Beaton will visit her at Capri at Il Fortino and was shocked at this time to find that all traces of her famous beauty had left her. Remember, he describes her in all those ways. Toward the end of her life, here's what Cecil Beaton says. She is now suddenly a wreck. Her hair once white and crisp and a foil to her aquamarine eyes is now a little dried frizz and she has painted a grotesque mask on what remains of what was once such a noble hewn face. The lips enlarged like a clown, the eyebrows penciled with thick black grease paint, the flesh down to the pale lashes coated with turquoise. Oh, my heart broke for her. Not too long after this, Mona, after a very long and colorful life, will pass away in 1983 at the age of 86 years old. Mona is buried in a pink and black Givenchy gown, laid to rest in between her husband number three and her husband number four in Long Island at the Locust Grove Cemetery. 
of the $90 million that Mona received when Harrison Williams passed away, about $25 million remained. What Umberto Martini didn't siphon right, off. Right, had not funneled away. Mona does some good works with that cash. She will establish the Mona Bismarck American Center for Art and Culture in Paris. Also... Kind of an interesting bit here. Mona will donate all of her papers, her letters, her photographs to the Filson Historical Society in Kentucky. Do a little bit of name dropping here about her famous friends and some of her correspondents. Certainly, we've mentioned Cecil Beaton, Givenchy, Diana Vreeland, Gore Vidal, Wallace Simpson, Randolph Churchill, Princess Grace, Paul Newman. Her letters and papers from 1916 onward are held within the Filson Historical Society. That's amazing. Mona, Stradler, Schlesinger. I'm trying to remember the second guy. Oh, Schlesinger Bush, Williams, Williams. Von Bismarck, mm-hmm. Demartini, mm-hmm. the Kentucky Countess. She is like a human spider web. So many places, so many folks, so many homes, so many connections. So how many very fancy trash cans does she get, Alicia? I have no idea, but I do know they were all designed by Balenciaga, for sure. And if not Mm -hmm. him, probably Givenchy. Mm -hmm. I mean, can you imagine what a life? Mona, a little girl from a horse farm to the very highest circles in the world. I love her story. Simply incredible. Thank you, Stacy, for sitting in with me on that one. You're extremely welcome. Thanks to all y'all for joining us for... My little birthday joy mm-hmm. of a trashy investigative episode. It's always fun to say hi to the Dun and Dunners. And the Dun and Dunners say hi to the Trash Pandas. Everybody comes together for mm-hmm. Mona Von Bismarck. Hey, for my Dun and Dun folks, stay tuned this week. Our Not Done Yet coming for you is going to be a bit about the fashion designer Balenciaga as well as Mona's time in Palm Beach. So many more spider webs we haven't talked about there. For my trashy divorces, folks. Holy cat, Stacy, you're going to be back this weekend with a brand new serving of marital misadventure for oh, everyone. Yeah. Yanked from the headlines. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, for listening, for spending your time with us, for telling your friends, for your kind ratings and reviews, for your support on Patreon. Y'all are simply the best. Have a wonderful, wonderful August. And Trash Pandas, keep your hands clean. And your heart's trashy. And my done and done investigators, you know I want you to stay curious and keep on investigating. That's fantastic. Oh, happy birthday to all of my Leos too. Mm. It's all embrace Leo season. Have a terrific week, folks. Can't wait to talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Done and Done podcast, a Hemlock Creatives production. You can email us at doneanddone at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at doneanddonepodcast. For further information about our episodes or sources, you can find us online at www.doneanddone.com. See you next week, friends.